invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9. This is like answered prayer. Uh, the team, Jake, your leadership, um, this is answered prayer. I mean, we don't, we don't come here just to do um, a checklist. And uh, we come here to encounter God. And if, if we don't leave this time, if we keep leaving this time and that's not happening, um, there was an old friend, he said, we might as well just burn the whole thing down. Like, what are we doing? So, oh, this is, this is so good. Um, yeah, so this morning, I just, um, I don't know. It's just, I needed this morning. I don't know about you guys. It's just so good. So good. So we pick up this story, uh, John chapter 9. It's um, the third and final chapter. There's three chapters here that uh, are all focused on the same week in Christ's life during the Feast of Passover, or the Feast of the Booths or Tabernacles. It started in chapter 7, chapter 8, and now we're in the final one here in chapter 9. And Jesus just... Uh, shimmied out of the temple, as it were. Uh, they were going to stone him, and so he got out, and we pick up the story. He's out of the temple, and I don't know about you, but if somebody, like, was trying to kill me, I, you know, I don't think I would do what he did next. Um, I've never really tried to have somebody killed me, uh, kill me. I, I've had people try to beat me up, and that's not fun, um, but Jesus walks out of the temple and picks up, we pick up this story in 9, 1, and he passed by a blind man, a man born blind. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night's coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground made, and made mud with saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went, the one who was sent, and washed and came back seeing. So Jesus notices a guy that nobody else really pays attention to. And the disciples, the 12 guys that are with them, say, well, who, who sinned? Like, who sinned, the man or the, the mom and dad? How often when we face sickness do we ask that question, why? Why, why is that person sick? And why is that, or why am I sick? Or why? It's a question that's often asked. Um, the Bible talks about uh, that sin can cause sickness. Old Testament, New Testament, plenty of stories about how a pattern of sin can bring sickness. The Bible also talks about how demons can cause sickness. They have Old Testament, New Testament. Clear stories of that all over the place. Um, 
And, and that didn't stop when Jesus died and then was rose to life and ascended into heaven. Like all of a sudden demons didn't stop work, it stopped working. It's like, no, that still goes on today. Genesis 3 teaches also that sickness comes because of the curse in our rebellion. And those seem to be the three main ways that sickness is, is that we get sick. And Jesus says here, he's like, nah, it's not his mom and dad. And he says this, he's like, look, he's sick, and what's going to happen here is this sickness, the healing he was about to happen is going to bring glory. God's going to use this to bring glory to himself. And, and he, he says, you know, the, I, I've got works to do. Like, he's here, and he's like, so let's, I got to get, it's almost like that guy is sick, this is going to bring glory to God, so let's, let's get her done. Let's do this thing, right? And, and, and he does something that no seminary has ever taught to do, no Bible school. It wasn't an ordination. He gets dirt and he spits in it and makes mud. Now, this isn't like spit, like, Pleh. this is like, it's got to be like a hawker or something. Like, it's just, that's <laughs> like such a dude. Like, I, I don't know, there's something just manly about this. And I'm reading commentaries and, and these guys, I, I just imagine them with like a, a cup of tea and they've got a British accent and it's, oh, let's talk about the mud and uh, the reason why the purpose behind the mud and this is the meaning and this. And I'm just like, give me your man card. <laughs> nobody knows why he did that. And that's why nobody teaches people to do this. Like, it's just... We have no idea why he spit into the dirt and put it on the guy's face. I have never done that, ever. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? I mean, when we're, when we're parents and we've got little kids and, and you know, and uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe a little harsh or whatever, a kid hurts you, what do you do? You get some dirt and you rub it on it, right? That's, I mean, I don't know if that's where that came from. I'm not sure, but... So he does it. He rubs it on him. The guy goes to this pool, Siloam, which is this sacred pool where they get like the, the water for the temple. And he goes and he washes and he comes back clean. He sees. And what happens next is real interesting. I, I like this story. He says the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, isn't this the guy who used to sit and beg? And some said, well, yeah, it is his. And others said, no, but it looks like him. And he kept saying, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm the man. I'm right here. And so they said to him, well, then how were your eyes open? And he said, well, a man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to him, go up to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and, and, and I received my sight. And they said, well, well, where is he? And he's like, well, I don't know. I didn't see him. I mean, I love this guy. This guy is a character. You're going to like this guy as we go through this story. And he's just a straight shooter, just real common sense blue-collar kind of guy. And, and I like this moment. It's sad and it's tragic because they, half the people, they know the guy. If he was sitting down over here begging, they'd know, oh, yeah, that's the beggar guy, but nobody knows his name. And half the people don't know his name. Half the people don't recognize him or, or don't think it's him because they really, well, what do you do when you see somebody that is that helpless and that what it's hard to look it's hard to watch and so so many people walked by and just kind of knew that was the guy that, that that's the blind guy yeah 
and nobody knew him. But Jesus, he saw him. Jesus stopped and he talked to him. I love that. And the guy, they, he comes back and he can see and he's, he's meeting these people, some that really did know him and the others that kind of knew him. And, and I love like they're talking about him and he's right there. He's like, I'm the guy, I'm right here. Like, I'm healed. And, and so what do they do? Well, it's a miracle. They all conclude right away, this is a miracle. This guy was born blind and now he can see. This is only something God would do, right? Satan does not heal people. Satan doesn't heal people. I mean, let's just get that on my Like, Satan does not do good, period, ever. He doesn't heal people. So they conclude what any common sense person would conclude, this dude just got healed by God. This is awesome. And, and we gotta go tell the spiritual leaders, right? Because the one place that you know when we get celebrated would be where God is worshiped and God, the word is and, and the leaders are. And so they're like, oh man, we gotta take this guy over there to see the leaders. And that's what happens in verse 13. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who'd been formerly blind. And, and now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh no. Let's stop. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, great. So we got a problem. So in the Jewish uh, world, uh, that time, in the temple and the Israelites, there was two sources of authority at this point. There was what we would call the Old Testament which starts with Genesis, you know, the Pentateuch, Moses wrote those, the first five books, all the way through poetry and the prophets, all the, all the books that we have here. And then there's this other book called the Talmud, which is the authoritative writings of rabbis over the years on how to interpret the scripture. So it's really this commentary, but it became more than a commentary. It became really um, a book of rules to help God out because God didn't really give us enough rules. And so there was 623 rules in the Talmud that had the same uh, equality. They were on same with authority as the scripture. And so there was like, I don't know, it wasn't half and half. Most of, I think most of them were negative. There was like 60-40, right? So 40% were positive, do these things, and then the 60% were negative, don't do these things. 600. 20 something like that crazy amount and so guess what happens so god gives one of the ten commandments you know honor the sabbath day in that day you will not do any labor you nor your and it goes through all the animals and whoever's living with you you won't do that you won't work you will rest to the lord and they just felt like that just wasn't clear enough we god needs some help so we got to write some more laws and so they write some more laws and one of them was, you can't heal on the Sabbath because that's work. Say that 10 times in a row. And by the end, you're like, that is about the stupidest law I've ever heard of. You can't heal on the Sabbath because it's evil to heal on the Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath because it's evil to heal. On the... Like, what? Legalism defined by um, 
some fancy place. Oxford, yes, their dictionary says this about legalism. If you guys could throw that up on on the screen, um, it says this, legalism is excessive adherence to law or formula, dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. Who here is legalistic? Don't raise your hand. You know, the funny thing about legalism is nobody thinks they're legalistic, right? C.S. Lewis wrote this about legalism. Legalism is a subtle danger because no one thinks of himself or herself as a legalist. We're just trying to do good. It was the Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said, well, he put mud in my eyes, I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees were like, well, well, this man can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And others said, well, that's dumb. How can a sinner do such signs? Like if this guy's so wicked, how in the world is he healing people? Because that's not evil, that's good, that's from God. And there was a division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, well, well, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? And this guy, this healed man says, well, he's a prophet. It's pretty good. The Jews didn't believe he'd been blind. So this guy's right there, and, and he's got people pushing him forward, and I was healed just now, I was born blind, and they don't believe it. Until, so this is important, so they do understand a miracle has happened. They talk to his parents, right? So they're going to believe this in a second and realize the story, and that belief, they, they can't argue against the miracle that's going on. So they didn't believe this until they ta- called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind, and how does he now see? And his parents answered, well, we know this is our son. Yeah, this is our boy. Yeah, we do know he was born blind. Yep. We can tell you that, but we don't know how he sees, nor do do we know who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him? He's at the age of accountability. And you're, you're thinking at that point when they say this, like, ow. I mean, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. But you gotta read the parentheses, right? The parentheses are this. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, where Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And that's why his parents said he's of age, ask him. You want to know the signs of someone who has a legalistic spirit? Control? Anger? Isolation? Fear. Somebody who is legalistic has no problem using anger, fear, control, and isolation. It's, it's just awful. You look at this and go, this, this is the leadership? This is what the leadership's doing? 
I mean, the one place a, a mom and dad should be able to come. Can you imagine you as a parent? Like, your kid grows up and it gets healed, has blindness, and then finally gets healed as this grown man, and you can't celebrate it. You can't celebrate it at church. You can't celebrate it. You just gotta like minimize the whole thing and get out because that's the last place you'd ever celebrate anything that God's doing. It's just so awful. So these Pharisees, they find out, okay, the guy, this is a miracle, it's real. So now they're like, look, we gotta pull you back in, pull this guy back in, and they call him in, and this is where it gets really spicy. I, I like this, this is funny. And so they, they kind of do this whole, you know, raise your right hand to you solemnly swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And, and that's why they say give glory to God. That's kind of the phrase of that. We know this man is a sinner. I'm like, oh, so now they know Jesus is a sinner, right? Now they're convinced. Before they were divided, and, and, and now they're saying, oh, now we know. Well, who knows how, because other than the fact that he healed on the Sabbath. But we're not sure if that unity is true or if it's just the loud ones, the angry ones, the ones that will threaten and do, do the fear, do what they're promising, are the ones that actually have the power of just taking control of the meeting. But the guy comes back, he says, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I, I don't know. One thing I know is that I was blind, and now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? Like, how did he open your eyes? And he answered, he's like, I already told you this. You didn't want to listen to me then. And why do you want to hear it now? Do you, oh, you want to become his disciples? Yeah, that wasn't smart. And they reviled him, saying, You're his disciples, but we're the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. See, this guy is almost like the, the modern-day equivalent of like a Mike Rowe, dirty jobs guy, right? Like, he's just one of these guys, he's not... He's not made for the, the halls of higher education and seminary. He's just this guy that's common sense, and he finds more wisdom out with the farmer spreading manure than he does with these guys who have all this religious degrees, all the titles, and yet have been elevated to their highest level of ignorance. They're so smart, they're stupid. And I don't say that word lightly. Like, I don't ever say that word, stupid. But these guys are so beyond any kind of, like, common sense. You're like, that is just so stupid. Like, are you even thinking clearly? And that's what this guy says. The man answered, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You don't know where he comes from, but he just did a bona fide miracle. Only God does these kind of miracles is the implication. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, and we know, like this evil, wicked person, but we know that anyone who's a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Do the math. This isn't rocket science. If this man weren't from God, he could do nothing. Come on. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you're going to teach us, and they kick him out. I mean, that's their comeback. Their comeback is just to call him a name, and then kick him out. 
They don't address the logic of it. And that's the problem. And all of, the sto- all of a sudden, the story isn't about a man being healed from physical blindness. The story is about a blind man, a man who was blind spiritually, who now sees, and a group of people who claim they can see spiritually and are utterly blind. Utterly blind. And they cast him out. And I love that Jesus hears, this, hears about this. He hears about it and he goes back and he finds this guy and he's like, do you want to see the son of man? Like this guy stood his ground toe to toe. Toe to toe with these guys. Stood his ground and I'm not, I am not going to go with this insanity. Don't tell me that this man is some kind of evil person. I won't go there. That's just insanity. And he gets kicked out, and Jesus comes back to him. He's like, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, yeah. Like, who is he? I, I want to believe in him. And I love it. Jesus is like, you're looking right at him. I'm right here. And what does the guy do He He said, Lord, I believe. So he goes from this guy, he can't see this man who's just healed him. He goes and says he's a prophet. All along he's saying, I don't know, I don't know. But as the story goes on, he gains more and more confidence and understanding of who Jesus is. He's he's like, Jesus is this, this person who does the will of God. Jesus is this guy who's opened the eyes of a man. He's from God, right? And now he's, I believe you are Lord, the Son of Man, and he's worshiping him. And Jesus says, for judgment I came into this world that those who may, or do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. And the Pharisees were in earshot, right? And they're like, are we also blind? And, and Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But you say, we see, so your guilt remains. See, Jesus, um, let me just kind of close this down. Jesus keeps saying, I, I've not come into this world to judge the world, but to save this world. He says this over again. I've not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. I've come to redeem. I've come to, to buy back, to purchase back with my life, right? And, and then he, all of a sudden he says stuff like this where he's like, for judgment I came into the world. And so which is it? Well, there is a judgment that, that is coming. It is the, the judgment for eternity and everyone will have to face God and give account for their sins, whether good or bad, right? And for their whole life. But what happens is Jesus, his message brings judgment because this is what happens. See, his message is so offensive. His message is this. You and I are born into spiritual blindness. And that is so offensive. To go up to somebody and say, you are spiritually blind is offensive. And that offense is what brings judgment. There's, there's people like me and, and many of us in this room, a lot of us in this room, that when we heard we were spiritually blind, it made sense. It just made sense. Maybe it took us a while, and God's grace finally overcame it, but there came a moment where like, oh yeah, that's me. 
totally blind. And now I see. You know what's interesting is this man who's isolated, Jesus heals. This man who doesn't even know Jesus, can't even physically see him, doesn't know who Jesus is, isn't even calling out to Jesus. Jesus just recognizes, sees him and goes and heals him. You ever think about the idea that God wants to heal people that aren't yet in his family? That God actually wants to use you to go and pray for people who don't know him? And rather than win this big fight and let's get all the evidence and stack it up and try to pound somebody into the kingdom, it's more like going up to somebody and saying, how can I pray for you? And seeing what God does. What if? What if if the kingdom of God is one where he loves to include people that aren't in it? Who here wasn't part of his family and knows what it's like to be pulled into his family? Who here was spiritually blind and he came and he healed and he spoke words that we never deserved? I, this is no lie. Somebody last night was texting and they were texting about their kid who's just um, struggling spiritually. And this is what they posted on their, their Facebook site. Uh, and I got a text from this. I wasn't on Facebook, just so you know. I was just clarifying that. <laughs> I'm praying that Jesus will spit in your eyes. She didn't write that to her kid, but she's just writing that. I'm praying that God would spit in your eyes. Like, I <laughs> like that. But can you imagine this moment where the blind man... Um, he just worships. He just worships. Like, what would you do? Born blind, you know everybody thinks you've just sinned or your parents are evil. That's why. And Jesus just says, Jesus comes and he doesn't talk about any of that. He just comes and, and he heals And the guy says, you are Lord, and worships him. I wonder if it's a song like this. Mm -hmm. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. So far away, but I'm home now. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And now my life's source. I once was blind, but 
Hallelujah. 